when we beat Tyrone at 15, I thought we were on a winner. <laughs> and we were in the final against you and then we just never showed up you know in the, in the final the football pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app Hello, you're welcome along to Wednesday evenings off the ball. Joe Malloy with you. We have a great show lined up. Six Nations countdown is well and truly on. So Stuart Barnes is on the show tonight along with Keith Wood. That's on the way after eight o'clock. Karen Duggan will chat to us about the latest Koi Gig podcast. This hour, Paul Brown of Limerick, James O'Connor of Clare, of course, will chat hurling. Allianz League start this weekend. Feels very much like Limerick looking down in the rest. We'll get the view of the two boys this hour. And Dan McDonnell is with us on the football show between nine and ten. Old Firm Derby tonight uh, amongst other things to be discussed with Dan 53106 the text number we are at off the ball on Twitter Richie McCormick hello there you go and now it brings a treat everyone because Owen Sheehan of all places on Six Nations Week has pitched up in Wales hello Owen Sheehan I've just found out that the game is on in Dublin rather than Cardiff. This is a a true plot twist. Well, this is interesting, everyone. So if you're coming late to the party here, what seems to have happened in so much as I can surmise is that last year, Ger Gilroy and Owen Sheehan successfully trolled a nation in advance of Wales against Ireland. There was no chance that uh, Wales could do the job. They were uh, an inferior rugby nation, I think was the general uh, thrust from the two boys. And then we know what happened. And suffice to say much of Wales was in touch. So 365 days on, from what I can see here, and so much as I can read this on, uh, Ger Gilroy, chief instigator, chief instigator Ger Gilroy, has stayed well away. Much like a World War One general behind enemy lines. He has sent you over the top and into Wales this week. I mean, I am a, a lover of all things Wales. I got caught up in, in a war that wasn't mine. I think that's uh, disgraceful. I may or may not be uh, within earshot of people who may be able to hear what I say here. So I'm definitely not saying that just for, for the sake of it right now. Yes. So you've been, well, up to what? You tell us. I mean, you've been hanging out with some darts yeah. royalty, amongst other things, I think. Yeah, just to, to set the scene here, first of all, so I'm, I'm here in Hlandaf RFC, and I've given that proper pronunciation right there. We are in uh, the shadow of uh, Cardiff Met University here, but we're not in Cardiff. Hlandaf is a separate city entirely, a city older than Cardiff. I've been uh, led to believe uh, it has a cathedral, therefore it is a city in itself, but it is kind of enveloped by Cardiff itself. As you can see behind me, uh, for any of our YouTube viewers, there is a Lions jersey worn by Anna Wynne-Jones in the build-up to the game against the Barbarians for the 2013 Tour. But if we're looking at Wales players who've come out of this club who have the highest profile, you probably have to look at someone like Louis Rees Samet, who played with the underage uh, teams here until uh, around under-14s, under-15s level before his family moved away. So uh, this is a a club that prides itself on inclusion. They've got a a great team of uh, an all-ability team um, where half the players don't get tackled and half the players do get tackled and that is a sort of theme that runs through this club it is very much a family club one that is emblematic of a, of a community so I very much uh, enjoy my time here getting to know a few people and we'll bring you some more content from this club over the next couple of days but you're right Joe I, I did spend time with darting royalty earlier on because while the game may not be in the principality this Saturday there is of course a great buzz around the rugby in the city this week but there is also sport taking place in the city this week not least tomorrow night when the Premier League of Darts just happens to be uh, kicking off coincidentally here in Cardiff so I said I had to take a look down there because two of Wales's finest darts players have big rugby backgrounds themselves uh, Johnny Caton who is the reigning Premier League champion is a former out half 
but Gerwin Price, who is uh, a former world champion, of course, uh, played uh, rugby at a professional level at one stage. He was signed uh, on, a, on a temporary basis by the Glasgow Warriors. So I sat down with Gerwin earlier on, and we were, I was asking him about the similarities between being a hooker, because that was his position, and, and playing darts, because, of course, uh, when it comes to line-out and all that, there is a repetitive motion. So I put that to him, and here's what he said. Yeah, obviously it's hand-eye coordination and obviously timing and things like that. But yeah, it's probably some similarities for when I'm throwing a ball into the lineup. But apart from that, no, everything else is just physical and technical. It can be you know, technical in, in scrims. You know, you can be technical in the way you're throwing darts. But I tend to not overthink things when I'm throwing and just just be as natural as possible. But if you're playing rugby and in, in the front row then things can get a bit technical and you need to work on things like that that's interesting so you would have had a coach saying move your legs into your right obviously yeah when you're in the front row you you got to either have your legs back you get you know you get your body position right and it's probably similar to similar to darts but you know with darts it just comes naturally and in rugby you know you're sort of coached into certain ways to play okay very good so Kieran Price and yeah yeah no sort of it is similar but not really at all <laughs> the answer to my question was no. Yeah. Is there a similarity? <laughs> no, there's not. But uh, fair play to them for giving me a hundred words to, you know, uh, tickle my belly a little <laughs> bit and say, you know what, it wasn't a bad question, you uh, you stupid journalist. <laughs> so uh, this sounds by the by your general tone here like more of a, key, a peace uh, keeping mission than trying to reignite tensions. Is that I mean, you've been behaving yourself? Have you? It, it is a, definitely a peacekeeping mission. I've been, uh, I've been, I think Ireland have had uh, bigger foes to fight over the last couple of weeks. So they said, if we can just kill the whales thing, yeah. uh, that would be a good start. So, uh, look, I, I don't know, maybe you were touch young. There, for my generation, there was a, a difficult period in television where there were some truly awful shows on and MTV had one such show called The Valleys. So, uh, you, you know, I wouldn't recommend it. It doesn't need to be <laughs> sought out uh, necessarily or especially. Uh, the Valleys are a real rugby hotbed and you made a trip that way. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, uh, the fact that you thought that I was too young for the Valleys, I would have definitely thought that you were too old for the Valleys. Joe. Sorry, that may, be, my, that, my... that may be exactly, actually, this, <laughs> the situation, yeah. <laughs> this is like, I mean, it's only about 10 years old, that program <laughs> on MTV. Uh, yeah, so we went up there, massive uh, rugby hotbed, obviously, but uh, like that, that is the main sport. I went out to um, a, a town called Nelson. So I visited uh, Nelson Rugby Club, obviously, but what is really interesting about this town called Nelson, this former mining town, is that it has the last remaining handball alley in Wales standing in Nelson. So did a little bit of digging in this and naturally there is a, a huge Irish connection. Yes, it comes with a, a sporting connection. The game is basically the same. But secondly, this handball uh, alley was built uh, by Irish people in the late 19th century. There was essentially a, a building contractor who wanted to undercut a rival handball alley and he knew he could pay the Irish people who would come over post the famine next to nothing to build this. Uh, I guess it kind of sparked a, a huge amount of uh, racial tension in the area, but ultimately it led to the people of uh, Nelson getting closer to the people in Ireland because they became world champions and they travelled the world uh, playing handball wow. with Irish people. So uh, while I was there, I caught up with one of the handball enthusiasts uh, in the town. This is uh, Kerry Wilde. We are here with, what, can I, can I call you one of Nelson's finest handball players? <laughs> At the moment, yeah, I'm the only surviving player, I think. When I first found out about handball, I started in Penguin Grammar School. There was a smaller fives court there. And as I got a little bit older, I realised there was one in the village. And kind of, we'd come here and we'd play, you know, evenings, weekends, things like this. 
and then it gradually developed. Um, and we used to hold world championships every year because we thought we were the only people in the world who played it because nobody else had a court. And then Tom O'Connor from Ireland contacted us to say that they, they played it as well. And before we know it, there's people coming from America, Belgium, France, uh, so it, and which meant we could then have trips to visit all these other places. So it was great that I played a sport that not many people in Wales played and I can go and represent Wales all over the world. Oh man, that's amazing. I'd never heard of this story at all before. I presume you had done your research in advance. You knew you were heading to Nelson. Yeah, like I mean, I did a lot of looking up at all the different towns around the valleys and uh, whatever way it came up, I found out that there was a handball alley here in Nelson. Uh, like, I mean, I'd be putting together a proper package on this later on tonight to, to play out uh, t- t- tomorrow on, on OTBAM. But there was this stunning handball alley in Swansea, which they just knocked a few years ago, like an absolute uh. Game of Thrones castle stuff. Uh, so this is the last remaining one, and it's slap bang in the middle of this this kind of former mining town. It is it is incredible. Like it's it, it is remarkable how these two sports kind of coexisted in in a different country, and even the the Welsh people in particular didn't really have any clue about the fact that this was a, a properly international game. And there's a real attempt from these lads to to try and keep it alive. They, they get really uh, downhearted when they see kids coming over with a football and kicking it against the wall. Even though they love football, it's like, God, oh, we should be really trying to encourage them to, to try and bring back some of the tradition because uh, it is one of the original Welsh national games. So yes, the Welsh national sport, you could say, is, is rugby for sure. But if you're lo- talking about the original game, it's handball. It is, uh, it, it is what they say. Uh, I mean, it, this is a fascinating town, Joe, that this place called Nelson, because I, I was chatting to a guy in one of the, the, the pubs there across the, the road from it afterwards, after I did that piece. And he was making the point that Welsh nationalism goes through the roof during the Six Nations. For example, people will feel very Welsh in a way that they didn't feel last week, this weekend, when they play Ireland. And he reckons that there is not that sense whatsoever across the other weeks of the year. And there isn't this real sense of, of Welsh nationalism whatsoever uh, in the valleys. They are, if you went to the polls tomorrow, quite happy to stay as part of the United Kingdom. But it's interesting because Eddie Butler is uh, leading up the charge in terms of trying to get a referendum going and trying to get Wales separate from the rest of the United Kingdom. I'm going to meet him tomorrow and chat to him about that. But certainly the feeling in Nelson uh, was, yes, I mean, there is a, a great connection sporting-wise between ourselves and Ireland, they would say, but there's also a great connection between ourselves and the rest of the United Kingdom, and this is how we want to stay. So Eddie Butler, uh, commentator supremo, is leading the Welsh independence movement? Uh, he is uh, 100% in favour of it. He has made speeches. You can check it out on YouTube if you type in Eddie Butler, um, Wales, the name of the town, and it's a pretty famous one, um, escapes me right now but it'll be one of your first YouTube searches yeah. it's a phenomenal speech from a balcony where there is a few thousand people down below cheering him uh, with every sentence that, that he utters and of course we know Eddie Butler tends to utter quite amazing sentences all the time he's a great talker and uh, he, yes he is, he is a huge figure in that so I'm looking forward to, to catching up with him tomorrow to see where that is now post pandemic because videos like that obviously were from 2019 direction Amazing. I got to say, Owen, between Gerwin Price comparing darts and rugby to the handball alley of Nelson to Eddie Butler and Welsh independence, you have outdone yourself. I honestly, when I heard you were on this trip, just thought you'd be asking drunk people in Cardiff how much Ireland we're going to win by. Well, there is a darts competition on tomorrow night, Joe, so don't rule that out yet. <laughs> OK. <laughs> oh, dear. Amazing. Uh, by the way, the lads outside have just dug up for any YouTube listeners. We won't labour the point for radio. Uh, just uh, I, I, I harking back to... Last year and Wales Online writing about Jer and Owen and uh, the rage 
We're going to kill them. Irish rugby show disparages Wales team live on air. Was the uh, <laughs> was the piece? So there you go. I don't look. I don't want to restoke things again. Oh, and I want you to get home safely. I mean, like it's 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 me versus Adam Jones here. Let's not forget who came back at us that time. It's not like like me versus uh, somebody my own size. Uh, like there is no way I win that fight. There is only one option here, and it is peacemaking. Rich, are you impressed by Onjean's efforts thus far? Yeah, any 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 chance to get close to Eddie Butler, I'm kind of I'm, I'm jealous of. I think picking out Michael Sheen is probably going to be the next one as well, because Sheen's a big <laughs> uh, Welsh nationalist too, and has I think probably had even more rousing speeches than even Eddie Butler uh, posted online in the support of, of Welsh nationalism and uh, separating themselves from from London. So yeah, uh, get hold of those two, and you'd be onto a winner, I think. Let's get yeah. going with the news round then before the clock comes against us. The news round is brought to you by Gillette. Put your best face forward with our new and improved razors. Uh, Richie, the latest on Mason Greenwood? Yeah, Mason Greenwood today released on bail. The Manchester United forward arrested on Sunday when a woman reported online that she'd been physically abused. Greater Manchester police were twice granted further time to question Greenwood, who was himself further arrested over threats to kill and sexual assault. His club say the 20-year-old will neither play for nor train with them until further notice. Uh, Manchester City, even Benjamin Mendy, has appeared in court today to face a new charge of attempted rape. The France International now faces nine charges in total, including seven counts of rape involving six victims. A further pre-trial hearing has been set for March 11th with the trial itself set to commence on July the 25th. Uh, Munster, meanwhile, have announced a new signing. Yeah, we saw this coming, but the confirmation coming today, Munster confirming that Malachi Fekatoa will join them in the summer. The former All Black Centre is currently with Wasps, but has agreed a two-year contract at Thelma Park. Fekatoa's arrival will likely spell the end of Damien Delende's Munster career. Wasps also confirmed today that former Leinster out half Jimmy Gopperth would also be leaving at the end of this season with Leicester, his rumoured destination. Now, the more things change, Richie. Yeah, Roy Keane is believed to be among the candidates for the vacant manager's job at Sunderland. The League One club sacked Lee Johnson at the weekend following a 6-0 defeat to Bolton. Despite that loss, Sunderland are third in the table, but the team above them are Wigan and they have games in hand. Keane cut his management teeth, of course, at Sunderland, leading them to promotion in 2007. He hasn't had a solo management gig, though, in 11 years. This first cropped up on the Mail Online this afternoon, and I'm sure you were busy, so you may not have seen it, but the story is very very much from Craig Hope of the Mail who works in that part of the world and Sunderland will interview Roy Keane is the story Like I mean, the, the first thing that, that you do think of is, is Sunderland till I die, and, and having that fly on the wall access to Roy Keane, which would just be absolutely unbelievable. It is the least we deserve if Roy Keane gets taken off Sky Sports that he picks a club that has a fly on the wall documentary. So if you're going to pick a club for him, it's somebody that's getting Amazon working with them or Netflix working with them because we need to see Roy Keane there. Like maybe this works. Maybe like if everything goes in cycles and we accept that. Uh, the cycle of Roy Keane's style of management has gradually phased out over the last little while. Do we expect that cycle to come back again over the next little while? I'm not sure. Maybe not. Maybe the Thomas Tuchel's of this world, to use a great pluralization there, is the, uh, is, is the future and, and it will never change. But is there a chance that, and in inverted commas, the, the old school way of management may actually come back sooner than we think? Uh, like, it, this doesn't seem as, as bizarre to me as as say any of the other Premier League jobs would. Uh, I think that a, a lower division start for, for uh, Roy Keane, a, a connection to a club as well, it could, be a, it could actually be something that, that really works for him. 
it could drive him insane as well League One football so even though Sunderland were beaten 6-0 by Bolton at the weekend which has instigated this search for a new manager they are third in the table so it is different to when they were bottom of the table in the championship when he took over all those years ago that said Rich there, you know, there is a certain standard of player here that w- will be there because of attitude and is Keane at a point where he has the patience to deal with that I don't know is the honest answer and in reality I don't think so is what we're all guessing yeah everything I've heard about Sunderland over the last 12 months is that it's a place that's actually improved I mean, they quite seriously bottomed out over the last couple of years heading down the divisions uh, but things the ship has been righted there to a degree they've got a good playing group together good team spirit in the main um, as I mentioned Wigan do have games in hand, at the, uh, in hand over them at the moment so they are in a bit of bother as regards getting automatic promotion but Keane going back into management just has disaster written all over it it's like I mentioned like it's 2011 since he was last involved in a solo gig and his frustrations at the tools that he had at his disposal at Ipswich were evident pretty much constantly um, the last gig he had properly was with Nottingham Forest uh, was a whole pile of nothing though he was alongside Martin O'Neill for five months essentially had to steer them away from relegation and only really managed to do that uh, towards the end of that tenure because other teams were in fact worse than them it, like, I was going through the pictures today because I was doing up the story on the website and his, his contemporaries because you go Roy Keane Sunderland in the search windows for all these like photo search things and there's lots of them shaking hands with other managers and his other managers at the time were Kevin Keegan and Sven Joran Eriksson uh, Joe Kinnear was in there at one stage as well and that was like 16, 17 or 15, 16 years ago Roy Keane hasn't improved as a manager since then. Um, he's certainly not going to be uh, run, going on a, a running start into Sunderland if he does get the job. I think there's a bit of kite flying on, on the club's behalf. Um, but if he does get it, guaranteed disaster. Oof, guaranteed disaster, says Richie McCormack. Uh, you wonder as well, on if he's warming to the idea of life in the media. Pays very well, great profile definitely has warmed to it. I mean, wasn't it Dave Jones in, in an athletic article that said that Roy Keane was a great man for showing up to even Christmas parties and lunches and would go out of his way to ensure that he even uh, incorporates the social aspect of his current job into his gig. Like, Roy Keane has shown a sort of a, a, a niceness to his soul that we haven't seen in his professional football career. I mean, can you go back once you've once you've let that ruthlessness go? Sure, he, he bears his teeth quite a bit in his punditry, but it definitely feels that that maybe that competitive edge he's almost accepted that that, that part of his his thing is gone. Like Richie does make a very good point there. Like I mean, you, you do kind of forget how long it has been since he has been a manager, and and that, that is very different to, to being second in command. And his last managerial role didn't go so well. But if you're just judging it on being the main man and being the manager, I guess that's also a long time ago as well. And 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 maybe there is a, a time to actually say, listen, that gets parked in in the past and. And, and he deserves one other chance, at least in League One, you know. Mm. I'd miss him from Sky Sports as well, I have to be honest. Prefer him where he is. Uh, by the way, that Wales Online piece that the lads threw up is not from last year, it's from today. What? You've made Wales Online again today, February 2nd, 2022. We're going to kill them. Irish Rugby Show disparages Wales team live on air. Apparently it's you, you're named, so I'd be careful over there. You're no, named no, no, no. You're named, Gilroy is named, Duggan is named. <laughs> Listen to the piece, Joe. I mean I was very careful to to, to remove myself from that situation and it, it is very I am there was not three people in that. There was two people in that and I was not one of them. 
Well, you're in Wales Online, so <laughs> I'd cool. watch it. History is repeating itself, Owen. That is from today. <laughs> so, uh, wow. let's see. So they have in the Wales Online piece, Jerry Gilroy begins the effort to seemingly wind up Wales fans by saying, we're going to kill them. <laughs> I gotta watch this back Uh, I gotta watch this back for the the look in your eye the dead look in your eye which says oh god no not again Uh, so Jerry Gilroy begins the effort to seemingly wind up Wales fans by saying we're going to kill them Arthur could you send me in the full article please actually uh, despite their fluky win in the championship last year, which we all know was a complete fluke because every game they had a fluky thing that happened in the This year, it's not going to happen. You ride your luck occasionally, you get away with it, but they ain't getting away with it this time. They're coming to Dublin and they're getting spanked. And, uh, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I'm reading the rest of this article as soon as it comes in. That's in Wales Online today, On I would watch your back over there tomorrow night. I would, if I was Jared Gilroy, I would, but I'm, I'm, I, everybody who saw that slap knew that I was on my best behaviour. I think that I, my body language, my, my actual language is like, don't do this, lads. You knew what happened last year. I, for one, can learn from my mistakes. And that's why I'm here. <laughs> oh dear. I hope they mistakenly put your photo up. Front page. Oh, there, is, there, is, there is one of the players up. There is a comment section on this as well. You'd be delighted to know Owen. Clanagay uh, uh, says, never got to a World Cup semi-final. LOL. Uh, why didn't the Irish pundits talk about the Rugby World Cup quarterfinals that Ireland have contested and won and then reminisce about all the uh, lockout matches that they've won in the Rugby World Cup, etc. Uh, just because someone says it was different in my day, they were unlucky, does not make the consequence of their choice legal or safe, said someone, which I think is completely uh, inappropriate to this article. Yeah. Uh, didn't you get uh, a deliberately provocative and unnecessary headline? These Irish stories are beginning to feel like the BBC's drip, drip, drip agenda driven news. They said the same thing last season and look what happened Irish media are full of blah 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 says 8-3-JJ 49 minutes ago I've got the piece in full on so I'll put you out of your misery uh, so Ireland are going to kill Wales is the opening line and then they say those are the provocative comments from Irish pundits Jerry Gilroy Owen Sheehan and John Duggan on Ireland's Off the Ball show you're named and shamed to be honest with you, to be honest with you I'd expect better from John Duggan I would not expect better from Ger or myself here so you know it is, it is very on form but I was not true to form yet well look I'm just reading the piece Owen Sheehan says the piece I can see your eyes dilating there as I uh, start this line Owen Sheehan highlighted that Wales were a try scoring machine but doubts whether they can sustain that level of attack I mean that's pretty fair oh, I can't believe you I said that Owen I can't believe you said that <laughs> I'm making headlines for wondering is uh, uh, Wales without some of the greatest back row forwards and the greatest second row forward of all time can be as good as they were with the greatest back uh, second row forwards they've ever produced and some of the greatest back row forwards of all time. Listen. I mean, shock horror. Listen, it's all kicking off over there, so just uh, just be careful, okay? I'm safe here. <laughs> yeah. uh, Richie, hope. do you want to want to run us through a few more stories? Yeah, 25 minutes played in the first of this week's Africa Cup of Nations semi-finals in Yaoundé. Still Burkina Faso nil, Senegal nil, Sadio Mane in the starting 11 for Senegal. As Celtic seeking a first win over Rangers since December 2019. Tonight, 20 minutes to go to Parkhead where a win for Ange Postacoglu's side would see them leapfrog their Glasgow rivals at the top of the Scottish Premiership table. Uh, James McCarthy and Liam Scales both on the bench for Celtic tonight. Tommy Conroy could miss a significant part of the season for Mayo. The forward sustained a knee injury while in action for anyone 
Leroy Galway in the Sigerson Cup last night. Conray played the full 70 minutes of Mayo's draw at Donegal last weekend. And Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano are set to make at least seven figures apiece for their April 30th showdown. The figure will be a career high for both, with Taylor's recent purses topping out at half a million dollars. Serrano earned 275000 for her recent win over Miriam Gutierrez. Taylor and Serrano faced off at a press conference today with the Brave Fighter looking forward to an interesting contest. I think this fight genuinely is the most exciting fight in the sport, not just in female boxing, but in, in uh, boxing as a whole. And not, not just just because of our records, but I believe that um, our styles will, will gel well together. It's going to be produce a fantastic fight for the fans. This really is the best fight, uh, fight of boxing right now. And it's not about female boxing or, or male boxing. This is just boxing. This is uh, top-class boxing. And, um, yeah, so th- this is why, exactly why we're here. Yeah, the word yesterday in the reports I was reading is that Taylor will make $2 million and Serrano $1 million. So big paydays for both, to say the least. Uh, Own Sheehan, on a serious note, the Nelson Handball Alley piece, the Gerwin Price piece, Eddie Butler tomorrow, they all sound very, very stellar. Are these going to be up in full on YouTube and beyond? Uh, yeah, but those first two for sure. I'm, I'm meeting Eddie Butler tomorrow, so that'll be for Friday morning. Uh, that that piece will go out. Uh, obviously, there is. Uh, the, 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 I will actually go to the darts tomorrow night and maybe chat to a few, hopefully, rugby fans before or after. And then I'm also meeting uh, Ross Harries of uh, of the BBC and uh, of other uh, places such as Premier Sports tomorrow to, to go through some of the, the Welsh papers. And thank you for a tip off on what might be appearing in some of the Welsh <laughs> papers because that is news to me. So uh, yeah, plenty more to come, and I'll I'll, I'll be uh, hopefully uh, sampling some Welsh cakes and Welsh rarebit and other Welsh delicacies over the next couple of days too. Oh, amazing. Excellent. Okay, have a good time. Thanks, Emil. Cheers. Cheers, Sean, Richie. Own she in there, live from Wales. Richie McCormack, thank you. Mind yourself.